This is the podcast that finds the most elusive people, the everyday amazing kind that you know nothing about. I'm hunting these people down and exposing their beauty to the world. I'm Andrew Bracewell, and this is Everyday Amazing. Get off social media. Stop looking at Instagram pictures of people who have perfect bodies and are purveying these perfect lives because that is such a negative thing for your brain. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm grinning ear to ear because today's guest is one of the reasons I get up in the morning, literally, but more on that later. When something is delicious, I mean really delicious, I will often attempt to describe it by saying, it's like two tiny humans are having sex in my mouth. Whether or not the metaphor is accurate, my excitement in the moment is effectively communicated, and the person to whom I am speaking knows why I'm losing my mind. That's how I feel about today's guest. But we're not going to eat him or have sex with him. We're going to talk to him, because in addition to the fact that he's highly intelligent, he has helped countless people change their lives by shaping the way they view their nutrition, fitness, and overall health, including me. Barry Ratzlaff is a gift to mankind. But before I let him speak, I'll give you a short synopsis of what he does and some of his life accomplishments. Together with his wife, Jana, they own Proactive Transformations, a boutique health and fitness facility operated on their property in the Fraser Valley. Their mantra helping people achieve their best body in a healthy way. Some of Barry's certifications and accomplishments include ACE certified personal trainer. He's an ACE certified health coach. He's certified in fitness and sports nutrition, certified in overuse injuries and rehabilitation, certified in low back disorders. In 1999, Barry was the body for life champion. In 2003, he was the isotory best body champion. In 2000, Barry trained the Body for Life Canadian champion, and in 2001, he trained the Body for Life first runner-up. That is quite the pedigree. Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here, man. How does that sound, hearing all of that, that read out? Are you amazed by yourself? It just sounds like a whole pile of BS. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's difficult to hear positive things about ourselves it sometimes. It is, it is. So that is actually quite the, uh, the list. And I want to start by asking you a little bit about your journey into the health and fitness industry and how it came to be that you're in the place you're in today. Well, I was, uh, I'm also a ordained minister. I think you know that. And yes. I spent a lot of time in the church. You marry and bury people. I did for a long time. I married and buried. I married your, uh, one of your associates. Yeah. So uh, I did that for a long time. And that lifestyle is not a healthy one working with kids. I was a youth pastor. I worked with uh, mostly junior high and some senior high kids. I uh, did it for 15 years. And through the course of those 15 years, you eat a lot of donuts and you drink a lot of pop and you have a lot of late nights with Doritos on buses heading to youth events. And uh, it's, it's, it's a gong show physically. Like you're just getting fatter and fatter and more and more tired. And you just keep yourself going with sugar. This was like 80s and 90s or? Uh, yeah, I graduated from... Bible school in 91 and my first uh, church was up north in Fort McMurray in 92. Oh wow I didn't know Fort yeah. Mac. Fort okay. Mac two and a half years yeah my personal hell. 
But uh, well, that's, that's, that's a total More story. on that later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the place where you can be nothing other than Pastor Barry. Oh, <laughs> right. that was awful. Anyway, so uh, through the course of, the, of my pastorate years, I just got more and more out of shape. And I had a few attempts at getting into shape um, over the, that period of time where I would, and I didn't know much. I, I'd been lifting I'd been in the gym since I was 13 years old. Yeah, so you were a child athlete, right? Or you yeah, cared I, about these kinds I of things? I won all the Athlete of the Year awards through elementary and high school. A big wrestler back in the day. I won the BC Championships. Got a scholarship at SFU, which I turned down. I didn't want to wrestle anymore because it was just, it was misery. Like it, physically punishing? That I, kind I of- enjoyed the physical punishment, but you're always dieting. You're always restricting your nutrition to keep your weight class, right? It's just like boxing. You're, you're constantly move, moving down a weight class trying to be competitive. And so I just did that for all of my high school years and said, I'm kind of done with this now. I just want to move on. Where was I going with that? I was competitive athlete all through those years. You're in Fort Mac, in Fort Pastorberry. Mac. And the original question was, how did you journey out of the Pastorberry mode into yeah. so I had who tried, you are today? tried a few times get, to get into shape and it was always without any nutritional knowledge. And back in the day, like in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of, you walk into a health food store, you walk into a bookstore. You didn't see a lot of good information about how to do this. The Body for Life book hadn't come out yet, which was really the very first user-friendly book that came out. The first system, everyone went, hey, I can do this too. Before that, it was like Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. And right, but that was only Bible. good for the guys, the gym rats, who were, who were living that life. It was right? only good for them, and also bodybuilding, weightlifting, resistance training at that time and before was considered an underground activity that was not worth anything, except for meatheads. So if you were, oh yeah, okay, if you're a linebacker for a football team or you want to be a big, thick, no-neck wrestler, then you go to the gym and pump iron. But everyone else in the world should really avoid it because it's dangerous. It'll hurt your joints. It'll make you a meathead. Women will get huge and muscular and disgusting if they lift weights. So that was the common knowledge or the common wisdom of the day. And it was completely wrong, which we know now because everybody's getting into it. But back then, that's how it was. And so I had made attempts to get into shape. I remember I did one in 98. Uh, my, my local gym was burnt down shortly after. It wasn't my fault. But it, had bur- <laughs> it burnt down shortly after. I had a get-in-shape contest. And I'm like, good Lord, I'm going to do this because I want to. They had a very nominal prize, whatever it was, like one month free membership and a bag of grapes. Something like, it was just <laughs> right. it was really dismal. But I was a youth pastor, so if you waved anything in front of me, I'd be going for it. Like, <laughs> right. holy crap, I could win grapes. I'm doing this. And so I... I, I did that and I starved myself down to this about 215 pounds and not a really impressive look, kind of soft and flat because I was starving for three months. It should be noted, we, we need to give people perspective on what 250 pounds, because 250 pounds for you. 215. Sorry, 215 pounds for you is actually yeah. kind of small. Oh, I was a bone rack, yeah. Because you've walked around before at what, 265, 270? I today walk around at 265. And when you are a lean, mean machine, you've been 235, 240, right? 240. Yeah, yeah, so 215 is actually tiny yeah, for you. Yeah, it's way underweight for me. Yeah. So I, in a classic fashion, which so many people are familiar with, I dieted down to this specific weight that I thought I should get to. And it was not even about anything about body composition, how much muscle I had. It was just get down to this weight. How, how light can I get? And quickly snap a picture before I lose my freaking mind. And then as quickly as the picture is done, get me in the car and I'm going to NW for like five team burgers because <laughs> I want to get the party started. And so I did that. And so literally I- Was gained, it actually teen burgers? Did you actually do that? Or I went what? straight to NW and had, had 
I think not Big Macs, not no, Whoppers. Two teen burgers. Two teen burgers. Yeah, and a, some I think onion rings. That's amazing. And a Coke. It was just, and so a cool twenty five hundred calories. So this this is and this can be we'll be segueing to this later, but that that was uh, that's the microcosm of everyone's diet experience, which is I'm gonna I'm gonna be disciplined and I'm gonna totally just beat my body and make it my slave and I'm gonna be fantastic and just you know I'll I'll get to my goal. And I will fall apart because it's completely unsustainable. And once it's like Frank the Tank in old school, once the beer hits his lips, it's so good. When it hits my lips, it's so good. <laughs> Next thing he's streaking down the, towards the quad. That's, that's most people's diet experience, which is I restrict myself and then I lose my freaking mind through a season like we just came through. How many times did I hear from people? You know what? I'm just going to, I'm January 1. I'm going to be back on the wagon. You'll see. For now, I'm eating this entire tray of Purdy's chocolates. It's like, okay, I get it. The highs and lows of New Year's resolutions. Yeah. yeah. So back to the story, which is I, I won that contest, got my bag of grapes in my free month. And within six months, I was back up 260, 270. Within 10 months, I was at 280. So I just, my body, so your body is a very intelligent machine. It knows exactly what it should and shouldn't do. And when you restrict it in a way that's very aggressive, it is lying in wait just like a tiger to pounce on you metabolically and take you back up that, that ladder as fast as it can. Because it's been starved. And so now it wants to just, it's an evolutionary reality that our bodies are designed not to do that, that they're not designed to be restricted like that. They will fight back. They fight back with a vengeance. And when they fight back, they come back in a way that we had, you, you think you feel good again. Like, Oh yeah, this is fantastic. I do love donuts and pasta and breads and, entire loaves of bread in one sitting this is fantastic but you don't realize within a very short period of time you put on 20 30 40 pounds and oh i'm back to where i started so i was back to where i started and a little more right and that you hear that story again and again so i gained all the weight back and a little extra because your body's defending itself it's just doing what it's supposed to do so then i was reading that year was 98 United States had the Body for Life contest. Back then, it was called Body of Work. Bill Phillips, his brother Sean Phillips, they put this out. EAS, um, Experimental and Applied Sciences, had this contest out. And I was looking through this magazine, saw the article, and went, oh, I want to do it so bad, but I can't. It's only American citizens. Because he was giving away a Lamborghini. Oh, so it was only U.S. start. $250,000 car, and it was this incredible thing. And if you, got in, if you won, you got to be part of a movie. He was making a movie called Body of Work, and he'd flee flee down to Colorado, and it was just crazy. So I wanted to do that, but it wasn't available to Canadians. So the next year, 99, I hear from my gym manager, hey, did you hear that Body body of Work is now available to Canadians? They're doing a Canadian version. And I went, okay, it is game on. But I didn't have the knowledge to do it. So I thought, okay, well, I've been down to 215 before. I'm going to go hard again. So for about two weeks, I started doing the same process, restrictive nutrition and exercise up the yin yang, just overkill, just cardio, 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 and, you know, lifting weights and just, just not really knowing exactly how it all worked, but just throwing as much as I could against my body to see what I could accomplish. Were, were you in competition? Like you started immediately in competition? As soon as or I could. you were could, playing yeah. around with your body to see what you no, could No, no, I wanted to jump right in because all you had to do was take a picture with a, with a newspaper. And yeah. Many people are familiar with this. Back in the day, that's what you that's did. That's what you did. To, to prove, prove timestamps. Yeah, timestamps. Yeah. And, uh, and, and if, as long as it was just a three-month window, you could 
you just start and finish. And was it body mass index? Was it, or was it fat loss or what were they, they doing? They preferred that you do scale weight and body mass index and you send that in and then they would be able to judge from your photos if you were telling the truth or not, if you were just trying to take them for a ride. And so I started and I realized two weeks in, this is not going well. Like I'm not going to, I really want to win this because for me as a youth pastor, this, the prize was $10,000 plus a trip to Maui plus two year sponsorship. That's like 35% of your year's wages. Plus a $3,000 ring and a $5,000 uh, gear package. It was crazy. It was about $35,000 worth of stuff altogether, which for a youth pastor, that's a year. So I'm like, I got, I have to win this. And in my brain, people said, you can't win. But my brain's always been the kind of brain that goes, of course I can. I just have to figure this out. So I decided I went around to local gyms and there was only a few at the time, VRC, there was uh, Cedar Park Fitness Center, which was Gators after the fact. And then there was, you know. Was there a Worlds in? There was, but this, that Worlds was long gone. You know where uh, the Savoy is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That used to be Worlds Gym. Yeah. I went there, or it was Gold's Gym, actually. Gold's, that's right, Gold's. Yeah, Yeah. I I was a member there for a little while. That was the real monkey cage. It was. Don Schultz had that place, and it was, yeah, it was like the the guys who consider themselves real lifters. There's chocolate place and the wraps and everything. It's like, everyone's like grunting and just a (laughs) testosterone house, which I kind of liked, but (laughs) they didn't last. They didn't didn't make money, so. So I went around to the gyms that were in the area, and I I walked into the gym, and I'd look around. I'd pay the drop-in fee, and I'd just look and go, who here? is amazing. Like who looks fantastic? And I'd pick them out and I'd wait for them to finish their workout. I don't want to interrupt their workout. And I'd sit by the front door. If they had a, a juice bar, I would wait there. And I'd ask them, can I, can I ask you a few questions and buy you a drink? And they're like, yeah, for sure. They'd sit down and I'd, so I'd just ask them, so how did you do this? You look amazing. Like what are you, what's your routine? What's your nutrition? And they'd start telling me they'd, they didn't, back then, no one was guarding secrets and there was no personal trainers in town. And no one's asking people those questions back then either. No. Today, you'd probably get a bit of a guarded response because everybody's oh, doing it. No one wants to reveal secrets. You'd get a little bit of a reference to a website or to an Instagram account. or Sure. Well, I'm doing yeah. what the, this guy's doing or I'm doing F45, man, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Well, it's I, my peach plan, back off. Yeah, so I saw Mark <laughs> Wahlberg pumping F45 the other day. And as soon as I saw him pumping, I said, he's an investor. Oh, and then right. I saw yesterday, another one comes up on my Instagram. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, investor. I'm going, of course he's an investor. Sure. That's yeah. why he's flogging that thing like a naked dolphin. Anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but did you know that all <laughs> dolphins are naked? <laughs> yeah. on the if end? you've never seen that, it's quite the sight. <laughs> it's quite something. <laughs> do you swing it by the tail or the head? Yeah, How do you yeah. do that? Well, we can show you later. <laughs> it's a live demo. We're going to get letters so, about cruelty to dolphins. Yeah. Keep going, Barry. Just Keep going. Thing, I love the dolphins. Love the dolphins. <laughs> Or when Dan Marino was at the helm, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so I went to three or four places, talked to three or four guys that I thought were in incredible shape. And then I had one guy in my, in my gym, Gator's Gym. Brian Wong was his name. He was this, this uh, Asian bodybuilder guy, and he was just freaking unreal, like chiseled and just huge. And every time I saw him, I went, oh, man, that guy's got the craziest body. Like, it's crazy. So I talked to him, and he kind of laid it out for me. Okay, okay, yeah, all right. And I kind of put it together, but I still was defaulting to my old habits. I couldn't help it. It's like, no, no, wisdom dictates. Restrict your calories, do lots of activity. That's how it works. So I kept going down that path. Starving your body while you need energy to work out. Right, so not taking into account any of the caloric balances and intake and, you know, it was crazy. So I did, I remember this day, this changed my life. And in in essence, this is what set me on a new path for a new career. 
I worked out, it was probably three weeks into the process, and I worked out, I worked out the way I always do, just balls to the wall, cranked it, just sweating, till I was dizzy, till I could hardly stand up. I had no energy left in my body. And I went to the juice bar there, Gator's Gym, and I sat down, and Brian was there. He had been watching me work out, and he talked to me earlier, a couple weeks earlier, or a week earlier, and he, so he sat beside me. And he goes, hey, Barry, you're doing the, uh, the body of work contest, right? I said, yeah. He goes, how's it going? I said, I think I'm doing pretty good, but I don't totally know. I feel just dizzy all the time and weird. And I've told this story many times. And at Gator's Gym at that time, they sold these oatmeal cookies that were literally the size of a dinner plate. Like they were huge, probably 800 calorie cookie. He reaches across and he holds it up to the owner and says, put it on my tab, passes it to me and he goes, eat that. I said, you kidding me? I can't eat that. He goes, how many calories do you think you just burned in your workout? I watched you. I said, I don't know. He goes, you're probably 800 to 1,000 the way you train. Hour and a half, crazy. He said, eat that. He said, you got to start feeding this the system. And I went, really? So I ate the cookie, sat there. He made me eat it. Didn't give me any pause. Ate the cookie and went home feeling just, wow, amazing. And then I started to understand all the things that I'd learned from these people that I'd talked to, that there's a system that your body wants to subscribe to, uh, and it works. And you can gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. People always say, you can't do it at the same time. I did. No steroids, no major products. I gained almost 20 pounds of muscle and lost 50 pounds of fat in a 14-week period. Like, it was insane. I was being accused by guys. They're watching me going, you're on juice, man. Oh, yeah, he's all juiced up. I hear him talking about me behind my back. Oh, he's all juiced up, man. Like, no, I'm not. Eating like a savage and training intelligently. So. Wow. So that was the beginning of your health fitness journey career. You eventually dropped the pastor thing. We don't have to get into the, the specifics yeah. of, of what you did yeah. there. But what year did you all of a sudden say, okay, Barry Ratzlaff, and it should be noted, Jana does this with you, yep. your wife, Jana. When did you say, we are fitness trainers or health coaches or whatever you called yourself at the time? Was that 2001, two? Uh, so I received the prizes beginning of 2000. And as soon as I got home from Hawaii, they had a publication in the Muscle and Fitness magazine or the whatever the AS publication was. And uh, I, my phone started to ring because they just, they, all they published was names, not phone numbers and stuff and contact info. But I started getting calls from all over the world. I'd be sleeping 2 a.m. and I'd get a phone call from New Zealand. Hey, mate, I just uh, read your article. That's amazing. You, you look fantastic. I'm sorry to bother you. No, it's, a, it's a different time there. Is it time zone? What's the time zone? You're, you're, 2 a.m. Sort of a bit. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to do that. Okay. Can you just give me a, just a few tips? Three tips, quickly. And I was like, okay, I'll tell you what I did. And then I started, the phone started to ring, and I started having coffees with the guys, and it happened more and more and more. And so Janice said, you need to start, like, you're taking a lot of time out of your schedule. You yeah, this is an opportunity. for money. Sure. I'm like, I, and I'm a youth pastor, right? The whole idea is service for nothing. Like <laughs> your life is worthless. Give it to the Lord and you may or may not get something back. We'll see. We'll the see. rewards are eternal. They baby. are eternal. eternal. Yeah. When you see the crown that you're going to get, you'll be so excited. <laughs> yeah, but I've never worn a crown. I know, but you're going to love it. Oh my God. Yeah. I love you so much. <laughs> you put language to things that are in my head all the time. You just do it so much better than me. Well, there you go. <laughs> So the phone was ringing. I was going out with people for coffees and I was basically giving them my system and not charging. And then I started charging a little bit of money for it. And I, the first time I charged somebody, I felt so guilty. 
I, I think I charged him 50 bucks for like an hour and a half. And he just, there you go. And I'm, the next time I did it, I, I tried for 100. Yeah, there you go. And then I tried for 150. Yeah, absolutely. Totally worth it. There you go. I'm like, okay, this is stupid. I have to, I have to get certified as a trainer so I can do this for real and to charge these people for real. And so, yeah, so the Jen and I decided we put our heads together, said, let's just get certified and get our personal training certificates. And we did that. And we kind of launched while I was still a youth pastor. But knowing that things were changing in my life, I'd been a youth pastor for a long time. And my energy and will to keep up and contend with kids was, was kind of coming to a close. And, uh, and then the church I was part of at that time had a big shakeup in it. You know, the, the leader was kind of going down the signs and wonders trail of, of kind of kookiness. And I just wanted to get out so bad. And, uh, and then all the stars aligned. I said, you know what? I'm done. The, the, I remember the day. I, this is, this is kind of off topic, but you can edit this out. Um, <laughs> oh, we're not editing oh, yeah. this out. And go. Yeah. So I got a phone call. I had worked at, the, at this church that I was in uh, for eight years. I had never had a meeting with an elder. Not once. Because I just did what I was supposed to do. And I had an amazing youth group, a big team of volunteers. It was awesome. We had a great thing going. So no one ever bugged me. They said, no, leave him alone. He's doing great. Kids love him. The staff love him. It's great. I got a phone call. Hey, uh, yeah, Barry, uh, this is Dave here uh, <laughs> from the elders board. We'd love to have a coffee with you just to discuss a few things to see how your ministry's going. His voice is cracking. I'm going, ah, you were such a piece of shit. Like you, <laughs> you you're just, I know exactly. I knew exactly where he's going to go. I knew that what I was, because I had been teaching on a certain thing. Brian McLaren, I knew kind of Christian. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was teaching I that stuff and I someone caught wind and, yeah. and they were all offended. They, oh, it's, there is no such thing as a new kind of Christian. Oh, it's awful. So I went to the meeting with the elders with my resignation letter in my pocket. I walked into Tim Hortons. There they were, these two guys looking pretty nervous. They thought they'd kind of strong hand me a bit and, you know, say, can we get you back in line? And, and they, so they talked about McLaren. First they talked niceties. I'm going, just get through it. Just get through that crap. Sure. I don't want to talk to you about my life. Then they got to the, the second part, which was like, so based on what we understand of McLaren and a new Christianity, all this stuff, do you think you can still work at our church and hold those views? Cause we'd love to have you as part of our team, but we feel like you're shifting. <laughs> and I said, Nope, I can't. And I pulled my resignation out, plopped on the table. I said, there's my two weeks. Thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy your day. And I walked out and they just sat there with white faces cause they didn't want to lose me, but they did. And I thought this is fantastic. So I walked down the street from the Tim Hortons on the corner of South Fraser way and Gladwin there. And uh, I got about 100 feet past the store and I'm walking, feeling like a million bucks. I just quit. And then, oh, shit. I just quit. <laughs> I don't have a job. Wow. Oh, yeah. So and you've was, got, like, it should be noted at that time in your life, you got young children. Four young children. You have four young children. You're oh, not, yeah. You're not floating in money. Nope. You're, you're living relatively paycheck to paycheck when or whatever. When I went to take vacations, I, a few of my clients razzed me about this. I would go to the auctions, and I, at that time, the most lucrative thing that I could flip was a mobility scooter. And so I'd find these mobility scooters at the uh, auction. I'd fix them up, put new batteries in, and I'd sell them at a big profit so I could take my family on vacation. I would ha have enough money to do that. So that's how I funded my, my fun stuff, which was flipping things. Wow. Yeah. So well, that's quite the story. Uh, I meet you in 2007. And so when I meet you in 2007, you've now been, you know, operating in a new way for what, four or five years then? Yeah, we, so that was 2001. I finished at the church 2003 for good. 
and uh, 2003, we hung basically hung a shingles, got a website going. I remember the first guy, this is crazy, the first guy that walked through my door to be trained, uh, Rob Dick, he's a helicopter pilot with, uh, with Chinook. He sat at my kitchen table. He wrote me a check for the full value of a 36-session program, the Body for Life program, and I watched him signing this check. This, I'm like, this is one dude, and he just wrote me a check for $1,700. That's what I got paid every two weeks at the church. Like, this is, if I can get like five of these guys, I'm, I'm, go- I'm golden. And my very first client, Rob Dick, he won the Canadian Body for Life. That's so, so cool. Because I had no one so else. So you coached, you coached him in doing that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's just another one. On I knew the- you had done that. I just didn't know who you had coached, but that's the guy you coached doing yeah. that. Okay. And I coached another guy in Chilliwack, Rob Best, former gym owner of Gators, and he won the Canadian Body for Life. So we actually had five champions through our little wall gym. Not everybody in life gets to experience this, unfortunately, but the thing that you just alluded to, that aha moment that you can have in life where you get paid fair value for the value that you bring or for your time. Yeah. It's quite a life-changing moment to experience that. Not everybody gets to, uh, but clearly for you, that was significant. And, and I've experienced that as well. Well, it was huge. And it's very difficult to accept that, like to, mm-hmm. to believe you're worthy of that money. Absolutely. It just doesn't seem right. So, Hey, you, you touched on something earlier. I want to circle back to, cause there's a whole rabbit hole that we can go down. You talked about how when in the early part of your journey, your old mind thought, work hard, starve yourself. And somewhere along the way, your new mind with your cookie story and then thereafter learned that work hard and actually give your body a bounty of good nutrition. And that is something, if I could explain... that That's a similar experience I had with you. So when I met you in 2007, and we don't have to get into the all of my story. Well, maybe we can if you want, but my old brain thought the same thing. Starvation is nutrition, but that is not the case. So can you just dive into that a little bit and then also speak to the significant transformation or maybe the ups and downs of the nutrition world in the last 20 years of you, as you've observed it from your chair? Yeah. The, uh, the value of nutrition cannot be overstated. It's easily 70 to 80% of any successful Short-term and long-term program is nutrition. It has to be. Your body's designed to use fuel in a way that makes sense to it. And if it doesn't get what it needs, it's going to basically shut itself down. It'll, it'll turn itself off and, and you won't get anywhere. Um, and everyone has those experiences of plateaus and in their routines, plateaus. And some of them are normal. Some of them are very, very damaging. And so the idea of, of understanding a, your, your metabolic level, like where's, what are you burning at rest? in a given day while I'm sitting here talking to you. Which is different for everybody, right? It's I mean, different for everybody, particularly for folks. So when I get people coming through the gym doors that I know have, it's called metabolic damage. So they have done dieting, they've done keto, they've done all these horrific things to themselves. And some of them not so horrific. Some of them truly are very, very damaging. They really need a startup. They, they're, they're burning you know, 1500 calories a day when they should be burning 2,500 calories a day. Because they've trained their body to live on starvation. Their body has... So their furnace is running at such an incredibly low level. Yeah, they haven't trained anything. They've just caused a huge reaction in their system. The body's just defending itself. It's just going into this, you know, retreat mode where it's going to hold on to any calories it gets rather than burn them off. Right. If you only want to give me 1200 calories, then I will learn how to operate off 1200 calories. I have to, and it happens within seven to 10 days. So... So that's why I'm such a huge proponent of cyclic, cyclic nutrition. And never use the word dieting. It's cyclic nutrition. 
So eating up and eating down and knowing where the line is and making sure that you're eating up enough to keep your metabolism stoked, eating down enough that if you're trying to get off some body fat, you can do that, but only in a very short period of time. It's, it's really a five to seven day window that you can cycle through before your body begins to catch on. So like, for instance, body for life, I keep referring to that. People, it's funny, whenever I talk to people about body for life, they go, oh, hey, yeah, I did that program back in the day. <laughs> and I'm like, and? Yeah, I got, I lost like 40 pounds and I felt fantastic. And I sort of stopped doing it because then the next thing came out, whatever it was, South Beach came out and then Tony, whatever his name is in the PX90 or P90X came out, you know, the next thing came out and people think, oh, all these programs are evolving. The human species must be evolving. So I have to change with the times. It's like, no, 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 no. Didn't you read the title of the book? Body for life. Like, it's for life. This works for life. I've been doing it 20 years. When I first had this, the, this, this aha moment, began eating like this, where I was eating five to six times a day on a clock, measured amounts, knew what was going in, it was coming out. Uh, I was still working in the church at that time. And I go down to the staff room and I had, I bought a blender, brought it in there. I had my own you know, box of shakes there in the cupboard. And I remember I was blending one day and one of the secretaries came in and she goes, she kind of looked at me with this sort of not really disdain, but like, really, really, that's what you're doing. <laughs> oh, I know all about diets. And she goes, how long can you keep that up? I said, honestly. Well, would Weight Watchers have been a thing at that time? Yes. Like that's, I remember Weight Watchers. So maybe her experience with dieting was probably something like that, oh, right? which is heavy restriction. Going way back. Like you even referenced the other day that, that, that Atkins was 1972. Atkins and started in 1972. Had yep. a resurgence in the 90s and all the way through James Fix and his running, you know, his extreme running, the guy who ran himself to death and had a heart attack. There was stuff all along the way that was basically, there were potholes for people to have these experiences of restriction to lose weight and then to realize they couldn't do it, they blame themselves. And the diet industry lies heavily on that, that we will blame ourselves for it not working. And then we'll come back again and try harder next time. Because well, I failed last time because I'm a failure, not the program was a failure. If the program's solid, if it does what it's supposed to do, and it, it has some degree of longevity built into it, it should work for anybody, really. But that's not how it worked. So we'll call it cyclical dieting. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. So you've embraced cyclical, cyclical dieting for the last 20 or so years. In yep. that time, you've also now observed all of the fad diets, and you alluded to some of them, whether it's Atkins, Keto, South Beach. I could probably think of a couple others if I scratch my head. Yeah, paleo. Paleo, yeah. Yeah. How has that, have you ha how have you had to deal with that in terms of your clients and your street conversations and how has that impacted your business and yeah. whatever the parties you're at where you're sipping cocktails and everyone has an opinion on something. Everybody has an opinion because everyone has a body and everyone has a mouth and everyone has a smartphone. Put those together and you got a, just a dynamite box for people to have this knowledge about how, you know, what works and what doesn't the thing about, so let's, let's pick on a current one. And I'm not picking on it on purpose. I'm picking on it because I've seen too many bad stories or I've seen the stories end poorly too many times. So it's keto. Now, people come to me and say, what do you think about keto? And the thing I'll always say first is it works. It works like a hot damn. If you're trying to get your body fat reduced, if you don't care about losing muscle mass, you don't care about losing your metabolic potential, 
If you're just trying to get lighter, you can't get better than keto. You'll, you'll lose fat at a shocking rate, but you'll also lose water, which is a big piece of the puzzle because when you lose carbohydrates, carbohydrates and water bond in your system to hold in the muscle tissue. So you lose water. You lose a big amount of weight that way. But the, the payoff at the end or the payout at the end of that process is always, always a nightmare. So two stories. A uh, guy I know, I won't say the place where he's employed, but I saw him at his place of employment about two years ago. And I saw him, and he's normally about 340 pounds, 330 pounds. And he was maybe 200. I was like, oh, my goodness, what have you done? He goes, hey, I know, right? Look at this, crazy. You know, he's touching his skin on his stomach. It's all floppy and loose, and he's thinking maybe he has to have some surgery on that. And I said, so what'd you do? And he goes, I did keto. Got on a keto plan and just dropped 100 and whatever it was, 140 pounds. I'm like, dude, you look amazing. Like you are, you look amazing. And so then I inserted my caveat, which is now I'm proud of you. Amazing job. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is this sustainable? Can you do this for the rest of your life? He goes, I don't know if I can eat whole cream and bacon for breakfast every day and avocados and, and steak fat. Like I'm like, I know, I know. So I'm asking you, can you do this forever? No, I can't. I said, okay. I said, are you thinking of transitioning into a, a balanced lifestyle? He goes, yes, I am. I said, okay, promise me this, that you will phone me when the time comes and we can have a discussion and I can help you set up a plan to get this thing done right. He goes, I will, I will. I said, I won't charge you. I am so vested in this that I want to give this to you as a gift of don't, don't do this, man. Like, don't go down that road. I've seen it too many times. He goes, okay, I will, I will. We lost touch. I didn't see him. He got transferred to that store to another store. And uh, about a year later, he was then transferred back to this store. And I saw him and I went, oh my goodness. He was 350. And I saw him and I, I walked up and said, hey, how's it going, man? He goes, hey, and you could see the, the look of shame and defeat in his eyes. Because I hadn't changed it all over that year, but he had put on 150 pounds. And uh, he just, he was a defeated human being. And the chance of him being able to recover from that and get the weight down in a healthy way, extremely, extremely low possibility of that. So I would suggest from my anecdotal experience, which is not as vast as yours, but as I've observed many of these bad diets from the sideline. I fortunately, you know, met you years ago when I did and embraced what I would say is the right long-term holistic, healthy way of tackling the conversation of health and fitness. But what I've seen in the others is that the focus is weight loss, predominantly without having to put work in, in the gym. Is that a fair statement of a lot of those? Cause yeah. my experience has been, tackle the the nutrition piece but then along with the nutrition piece is you got to work your ass off in the gym and if you're not willing to work your ass off in the gym then long term it's not sustainable because our bodies are meant to move and work and anything that says you don't have to move and work is a trick that that's my own is that fair absolutely early atkins early keto uh, there's variations of keto now called dirty keto or cyclic keto where people are trying to Make it a process where you can do this for life and you can incorporate exercise, extreme exercise, and you can break muscle tissue down like we do in the gym. 
and have it rebuild because carbohydrates are a fairly essential process, part of that process. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very fair statement to make. So where I go with this in my brain is that I look at the evolution of, you know, mankind and I think, okay, so let's go back 400, 500, 1,000 years ago, whatever. We did not have to work to move in that our body movement and physical activity came as a byproduct of what had to happen every day. We were connected to the earth. We had to work the ground, you know, work, work the livestock. I mean, just to live and eat required physical exertion. Yep. And then we go through this metamorphosis evolutionary experience in life. And today we don't have to move. You and I could sit here on a chair in a lethargic state and be just fine with computers and smartphones and whatever else we want to add to that. Yeah. So I find because of my own health experience and the fact that I was obese at a point in time in my life, I find myself having these conversations now with our children who are growing up in an even more lethargic state than I grew up in. And it's interesting because I don't think working out is a natural thing. I don't think a human just wakes up one day and says, I want to go push weights or I want to go for a run. So we maybe have to work. We have to convince ourselves that we need to do this because of the lethargic state that we're in, that we're naturally living in. And I'm having this conversation with my children and they're even fighting me on it. But my fear is that if we don't train ourselves early that we need to do this, then, you know, we end up in a place that we don't want to be in. It's just a, a, this is a convo that we're in every day. And I think we're here because of where we've come evolutionary on an evolution uh, basis. Oh yeah. And I mean, there's in the last 30, 40 years, there's been a huge movement in, in the school system to move away from physical activity as legislated. So my son was here for Christmas and he's a personal trainer, Victoria. He was reading a book called spark and he was very excited about it. He was telling me little excerpts from it. Basically it's based on a gentleman's research down in Idaho where it's, there's a, I think it's Idaho. It's the only state that has legislated physical activity in the States still. Most of them have moved away. They've cut those programs. So they've gotten rid of art. They've gotten rid of music and they've gotten rid of, of phys ed. This guy was really interested in the phys ed because the neurotropic value of exercise. So in this little enclave in Idaho where these students are forced to, forced to exercise, their grades are off the charts better in some of their math scores than, than Chinese schools. Like these kids are killing it and they're discovering that what happens to the brain when it's forced to be the body's used in a way that's, you know, resistance training, um, intense exercise. It's the only way you can create these, these neural pathways and these chemicals, your, your endorphins and your serotonin and all these good things that are supposed to be part of who we are. And they really help build the brain in a functional way, in an IQ way. And so there, we're just, we've, we've moved away from very, very valuable pieces of who we are as human beings, thinking there were, oh, it's dross, we don't need that. We get in the car and drive where we're going. Who wants to walk? We'll um, wheel ourselves around the mall. There's escalators to take us up and down the flights of stairs. Um, there's all these things. Not knowing that we were shooting ourselves in the foot, literally, um, physically. And we need to get back to the basics of why it's important for all this work to happen for our bodies. Fascinating. For sure. You have a unique chair that you sit in, in what, uh, in your vocation and what you do and the way I'll, I'll do my best to describe it. And you can tell me if I've done a good job of it and I'll have you speak to it. But my observation of you is that 
the majority of your clients are high level achievers in their varying areas of profession. And these people sit with you three, four times a week for an hour or more, and you get to dialogue with them. And I've often thought that is fascinating that six, maybe five days a week, eight hours a day or more, you're with high level achieving humans who have chosen to put their fitness and health first as a priority. What is that, what is that like to be in that environment 24-7? I would say it's, uh, it's encouraging in a, in a weird way. You'd think, oh man, you're on these people, these, these, these humans, that are, they're, they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they're out there pulling strings you know, in the real world. Like they're in control of some really cool stuff. And uh, they walk through my door and the door closes and they just, I just see the relief would go across their face. They're like, oh. A, they're in a safe place, a place where they can be themselves. They can tell me what's going on inside of themselves because they know I have a, a counseling pastoral history. And that piece of me didn't die. Like, I still have a passion for understanding, helping, and, and loving human beings in a way that, that gets them to a new place. That's the Lord, Barry. I know. <laughs> The spirit of peace is in my heart. Gonna touch you in a way you hadn't imagined. Okay. Sorry, I so, couldn't leave yeah. it alone. I had, to get, I had to get you going. I know. I know it doesn't take much to get you off on a completely I know, different tangent. I know, the tangents are there. The tangents are there. So these guys come through the door, and it's I just train guys. I do train. Currently, I have one female, which is your wife, and you, you come together as a couple. Um, but mostly guys. And they come in, and... They, and it should be noted, your wife trains... My wife trains the, the ladies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She works with the ladies. Yeah. She works with the ladies, and I work with the gentlemen. It seems to be the best system <laughs> we could develop. It's a very old-fashioned arrangement. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just saves us from, from issues. Sure. Yes. Yeah. From issues that could be life-altering. So we don't want to go down those paths. So they, they come through the door, and they, it's, it's fantastic because they get to be real. They, they love, this is the piece that, kind of, that, that I find very curious. They love me telling them what to do because in their lives, no one tells them what to do. They make the rules. If they can't make the rule, they'll buy a new rule. Like it's, it's pretty cool. So they walk through the door and they, they kind of go, okay, dad, what are we doing today? <laughs> like, all right, here we go. And off we go on our little journey, our fitness journey. But it's way more than a fitness journey for these guys. It's always way more. There's, there's so much more in terms of the, they need a place where they can be themselves. They need a place like Cheers, where everyone knows your name, or at least one guy knows your name, your true name, and uh, will hear you out. You, you can tell me stuff that... Uh, you, you, you get it all, right? Like you're, you're, oh, you're in the therapist chair. I hear stuff. Yeah. My, every month I hear someone say, I, not even my wife knows this. Sure. But. Except me, honey. I don't talk to Barry that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm totally good with it. Like, and I'd have no, no need to, to feel like, oh yeah, this is great having this insider information. It's like, no, it's like you're, what you're telling me is in the vault and guess what? We're all the same. And that's another piece that makes me feel really good when these guys are coming at me like that way is that we are all the same. We all walk the same earth and we have the same issues. It doesn't matter if you have $100 million or $100. You face the same shit. And it's how you deal with it that counts, right? 
Now, these guys deal with things very differently. Their minds. So this is, uh, this is a note I made earlier in coming into this, is when I see, and I was talking to a, one of my clients yesterday about this very factor, which is when someone walks through the door of the gym, and I can t- usually tell how they're going to react to pain. The way a person's pain response is, is often how they'll function in life. And most type A's, when you give them pain, it sparks something in them. It doesn't shut them down. Most people get pain. They're like, oh, that hurts. That hurts. That, I, I, I don't want to do that. That's, that's uncomfortable. But a type A or like a, a real achiever, they feel pain and it actually sparks curiosity. Yeah, I don't, I don't even, not to push back on your comment, but I, yeah. I think it would be unfair to say type A's. Because there's, there's people maybe who aren't type A's who are high achievers. Yeah, I put that in a yeah, general yeah, yeah. category. Not to nitpick what you're saying, but I, I, know what, I know the spirit of what you're trying to say. Yeah. People who are capable of a lot respond differently than those that, that are not. Is that That are right? not, yeah. Yeah. I've had clients that, that uh, one in specific, who every time I put a weight in his hand and he would do a rep as the weight was coming up, he'd he would literally be saying out loud, ow, 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 ow. And as it go down, oh, 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 ow, 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 ow. And he lasted two weeks and quit because for obvious reasons. Yeah. Versus a guy who I'll say, okay, this set is 10 reps. He'll look at me and it's just. It's like a challenge. He's like, 10, I'm giving you 12. <laughs> and off he goes and he'll get his 12. Like it just doesn't matter what number I give. It's always more, always more. The pattern in these people's lives is just manifesting itself in the, it is in, in the weight room. Now on the inverse, someone who has had not much success in life, who gets their physical self under control, they begin to see a spillover into all of their life. I've heard it again and again and again, like, I don't know what's happening, but as I'm getting in better shape, I'm, way more productive at work things are going so much better my relationship with my wife with my family is getting better like what's happening to me like it's like your body's doing what it's designed to do the chemicals are flowing it's well i i'll so i'll share a piece of my story with you but i mean i so i encountered you twice i encountered you first in 2007 and the things that i learned with you in that moment i didn't stick with it and you know we were with each other for maybe a year and i went away and i continued in some unhealthy living, but I came back to you in 2012 and the transformation I went through in 2012, I think at my highest, I was 235 pounds. I was over 30% body fat. I was by definition, I was obese and I was 29 years old. And I'd been told I was pre-diabetic from a doctor who scared the living shit out of me. And thank God that he did. Cause had he not, I probably, I had this false confidence in my brain, even though I wasn't amazing, I still thought I was amazing. I still have that to this day, but but in that moment, I was like a soft bowl of pudding. And I probably thought like I was a middle linebacker, you know, but I needed to have the shit scared out of me. I did came back to you in 2012. The point of the story being the transformation I went through with you in that, let's say six to 12 month period in that second time back. And I've been with you ever since. But through the fall of 12, the first half of 13, I remember I went from 235 pounds down to 182. I got my body fat index below 10%. I'm not living at that level today, but I, I went there and it changed my life. It, so for me, there was, you know, something that occurred in the gym spilled over into, into the rest of my life, in the, my family health, the health of my career, 
the way I engaged with humans, just my overall well-being, mental well-being actually snapped in that, you know, in that space that we had together in the gym. It's powerful. I mean, The Rock calls it his anchor, right? The gym is his anchor. People think, oh, it's because he's, he loves weightlifting or he's addicted to it or, you know, he's this huge muscular guy. But with that guy's schedule, the things that he does on a daily basis, the anchor is, it gives him his mental stability. It gives him the ability to do all the things he does comes from his resistance training. Yeah, there's no mystery there. And the world is starting to wake up to it. It's taken a while. Like when I first started lifting, oh, that was 13. I was 13 years old. When I first got into training, it was still an underground thing. People looked at, kind of scoffed at it. I remember talking to people at Body for Life and they'd say, do I have to do the weight part? Like the weightlifting part? It's kind of gross. <laughs> what, what other part is there? Yeah, yeah. I just want to do cardio. Can I just do cardio and do Body for Life? Yeah, I have to modify it for you. It's not really going to give you what you want, but okay. But now people are starting to, to come awake to it. And unfortunately, as humans always do, they've gone just far, far too extreme with it. Powerlifting was never meant to be competitive in the sense of repetition-wise. It's, yeah, I won't go there right now because it gets me going real hot when I start thinking about those things. Yeah, we don't want to get you angry, Barry. No, 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 no. So I had a conversation with uh, somebody else. We're not going to say names, but somebody else who's a client of yours. We were discussing the fact that you were going to be on the show. We both, you know, admire and love you. And the conclusion, so the question we asked ourselves, we're like, well, what, what makes Barry different? Why is Barry amazing? Because there's, you know, there's a million trainers in the world. Everybody's a trainer. I mean, you must feel like that in your industry. Literally everybody's a trainer. We started with, there was none in Abbotsford. We were the first ones and people saying, can you actually make a living doing that? And we said, I don't know. I don't know. So it worked, but now it's, yeah, everyone's got a personal training certificate. Yeah. I've got, I've got a, a, a European Swiss ball in my basement <laughs> and I've got padding and I've got dumbbells that range from three pounds all the way to 14 pounds. And I'm going to get you in the best shape of your life. Sure There's people who are going to listen to this. They're yeah. actually going to feel conviction. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. He's talking about me. I might be. Oh, and keep doing what you're doing. Cause you're beautiful. Just the way you are. <laughs> so here's the, here's the conclusion we came to as to why, why is Barry Ratzlaff amazing? Why is he not just one of the others? And it was this, you have all the knowledge, you have the physical knowledge nailed. So when it comes to how to lift weights, how to train, how to grow muscle, you know, you know that, you know the body very, very well. You also have the nutrition piece absolutely hammered. And the evidence is in the 20 years of proof of successful clients and people who have made significant changes to their body. But more so than any of those two things, it's very obvious that you care the most about the mind. And I don't know if this is something you just woke up one day and said, I need to care for the human mind more than, or, you know, I don't know what the conversation is. And I don't even know if you've ever thought of this or would agree with it. But I would suggest that when somebody trains with you, their brain is as important to you as anything else. What do you, what do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing when someone walks through the door, they're not a, a client in the sense of this is a person I make money from. I don't even, Jana, for the first three or four years, she had to force me to ask for money because I wasn't, I, I didn't care. I, I get it. We have to pay bills. But I, I was so excited to work with people one-on-one -on -one in a sincere, it was almost a pastoral relationship without the religious crap. It was human related to human. Let's, let's just sort of put our minds together and see what, 
what we can come up with here. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really love it. And when I get a client coming through who's not really willing to open on that level, it's kind of disappointing. It's like I realize pretty quick, oh, this person, they don't want to go deep. They just want to get their workout in. And often that relationship won't last that long. But uh, for yeah, most... Yeah, because you only have so much time. And yeah. you don't want to give your time to somebody who's not, who's not all fully engaged. No. And it, because we are holistic beings, the mind, the body the spirit, whatever that may be, are completely connected. And so we can't pretend that just lifting weights is going to make me a a healthy human. It's like, absolutely not. Like your brain is 80% of the equation. If your brain's messed up and it's thinking like some really bad shit about who you are, about how you function amongst people, about your relationship with your wife or your kids or whatever, you're not going to be healthy. That's not health. And you see that. Right. I mean, I can even say that you've seen that and you don't have to speak about other clients, but in me, let's say there's a direct relation to be to in terms of where the, the person's brain is at and then their physical output. Oh, and yeah. Their performance. Yeah. I've seen, well, I've seen it in you when you went through the, the process over the last year and a half of purchasing the company and the stress load you were carrying, um, the effect it had on you and your wife, like it puts strain on everything and it, it shows up in how you perform in the gym. And you know what? Gym performance, as I say to guys all the time, that's secondary. Just let the weights be the weights. Any given Sunday, give it a week or two, you'll be back up to the weights you're pushing before. Don't sweat it. Do the routine, get the chemicals flowing, feel good. This is good. We're doing a good thing here. And then two or three weeks later, oh, I feel fantastic, and you're crushing it again. And that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, what's that? You always say this to me, because your muscles don't know the the weight. They don't know They only feel the resistance. They only know intensity. Right. Right. So you can be having a shitty day yeah. and whatever, doing dumbbells at 70 pounds and you know you can do 90s or 100s, but your, mu- your, your muscles don't know the difference between that. No. If they're under full load and they're maxed out, that's all they know. The fibers, they're, they're, doing the, they're doing their very, very best for you at that point. And if they're doing their best, that's all they can do. It's your brain that's the problem. Your brain sees the 60 on the dumbbell or the 80 and you start beating yourself up. What's your problem? Look at that. You're a piece of shit. You're so weak. Well, you know, you start beating yourself up. It's like, no, don't do that. Like, I have days. I tell guys, I have days. And I actually learned this from, from Schwarzenegger. Because I remember reading an article way back in the 80s about him. And he, and he said, uh, there are days he goes, he, he's the first proponent that uh, weightlifting is 80% mental. It's all in the mind. And so he said he'll come to the, he'd come to the gym and he'd kind of get his warm-up done and get ready to his first sets and realize... I'm not here today mentally, and he'd leave. And I'm like, what? No, 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 push through. And I started to embrace that idea that, yeah, there's days when I go to the gym when I'm not present. So I'll walk in, I'll do my warm-up, something's not right, my head's somewhere else, go back to the house, live to fight another day, come back the next day, feel a million bucks and crush it. So, But my clients don't have that privilege. They can't just show up. It's like, you know what? I don't feel so good. I'm going to go and come back tomorrow. Uh, can't fit you in, but okay. So... If you were to write a memoir or a book, as I alluded to earlier in what you've spoken to, you, you've spent a lot of time with a lot of high-level people in a variety of industries. What would be the theme of that memoir in that, what would be your commentary on, is there a similar thing that all of these humans do? Or is there a trait where you go, yeah, they're totally unrelated, different industries, different professions, but there's this one or two things that are just common. Is that, is that something that exists or no? I would say the most pivotal piece in all of that 
would be what they truly believe about themselves or what they truly have embraced about themselves that someone else has taught them. So for a, a high achiever, for the most part, these people believe, A, they can do these things. They believe they're worthy of success. Um, when the money comes, they're okay with that. They know how to work with it. They can manage it, and they feel worthy of that. And when it comes to the gym, they kind of think, yeah, I, I'm here because you know what, to, what you're doing, and if I work with you, this is going to be fine. We're going to get somewhere. Versus a mind that's been beaten down and doesn't believe anything good about itself and sees nothing but negative around itself. And all of those things have a way of manifesting too. You know, financial trouble and relational trouble and all down and poor nutritional habits. They all are cyclic. And so, and they all spiral down in this pool. So either you're spiraling up with positive self-image or you're spiraling down. And so if there's one trait these guys would carry and the few women I've worked with, it's their minds are strong. They have a, their self image is intact and they believe good things about themselves. Not, not cocky kind of like you're, you're just a dick about, about yourself, but actual good positive things that, yeah, you're, you're a good human and what you bring to the table is valuable. It's worth something and you have something to offer. And so they, they believe that and it has a way of manifesting in their life in success. It never ceases to amaze me how I feel like no matter what the topic in life, everything always boils down to the health of the brain. Oh, absolutely. It's just mind blowing. Absolutely. And I think our world has opened up more to that conversation. They're, we're more aware of it now. So it's getting talked about more. Yeah. But it's just fascinating to me that you can be talking about something that you'd think has nothing to do with the brain. And at the end of the day, it just, it all boils down to the, to the health of the brain. Mental health is, it's a burgeoning field. It, it's crazy to say that because we've had self-help books and psychology books around for, for 50 years. But it is, it's a burgeoning field in the sense that people are becoming aware that mental illness, um, and we used to think mental illness was like you belong in Riverdale, like off to the mental yeah, house with you, right? Totally, yeah. But mental illness has got, you know, so many layers and so many levels. And uh, whatever your level is, it's, it's legit. What you're feeling, what, the way you're talking to yourself, the voices in your head, the voice of your father in your head, the voice of your boss in your head, they all can spiral into this sort of a, a stew of either positivity or some really, really nasty negativity that, that'll, that'll handicap your life. It'll make you incapable of doing certain things and achieving certain things. And it's also possible that you can be re feeling really shitty in your brain and down on yourself and you don't have a mental illness. You're just no. in a really shitty state. Yeah. And so what do you, what do you say to somebody or what would you say to somebody? Cause the majority of the world I think is not the people that have the healthy self image image. Right. And they struggle to find their fitness path and, have confidence in the gym and to turn their life around. What do you, what do you do with that? Like, what's the, what's the first thing to try to overcome if someone's just so they're shit kicking themselves so much in their head that even if they put the right thing in front of them, they're still going to have a hard time because in their head, they're just pieces of shit. I think the first action step is get off social media. Stop looking at Instagram pictures of people who have perfect bodies and are purveying these perfect lives. Because that is such a negative thing for your brain. It's complete horseshit. It is. It's so, so destructive. And I think about our kids. 
um, and not just teens. I think about kids your your kids' age, yeah, who are exposed to this already. Yeah, and they're they're grading themselves from judging themselves against these images and thinking, oh, I, why don't I look that way? How come I don't have a million dollars and I'm 19 years old? You know, like Billie Eilish, she's a millionaire and she's 19. Like, how come I don't have that? It's like it's so unhealthy. So the first thing I'd say to somebody who's struggling with self-image stuff is stop feeding yourself the negativity, and it might come in as positivity. Like, oh, this is a this this person has an amazing Instagram account and they've got all these things going that seems really positive, but you spin it and it becomes negative because you're not those things. So get rid of that stuff. That's that's poison to your brain. Second, find two human beings that you know, love, and trust and hold on to their evaluation of you. They're the ones that matter. So if it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, and they've been saying for years, what are you talking about? You're awesome. I love you. You're, you're perfect the way you are. Get the other voices out of your head. Hold on to two that say you're amazing and hold on to those because that's all that counts. If you've got two people in your life who are, who are your, your champions for you, your cheerleading section, you got everything. That's the place to start. And then, then once you kind of got your, the, the, uh, the atmosphere around you clear, now start looking for examples of what you think you could be capable of. Like what I did back in the day when I went gym to gym and said, I want to talk to these guys because they're doing what I want to do. So why would I read a book or try to make it up myself when I could talk to them? They've done, they're doing it right now in front of me. Find people who are doing what you think is, you know, what's your passion? You know, that, that, <laughs> that stuff that everyone's talking about these days. Yeah. But Well, we're, it's almost New Year's. So we're in the middle of like the season of people trying to make significant life change. Yes. And then, of course, in three to four weeks time, it's the season of everybody falling flat on their face in their objectives that they created three to four weeks earlier. Right. So this is all very relevant oh. uh, for, for the context of time that we're absolutely. in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, you're obviously not a New Year's resolution guy. No, not at all. No. My favorite thing is coming into Christmas with all my guns blazing. Like workouts <laughs> are being just, I'm crushing everywhere. I love Christmas because my clients all go away and my gym is, is I've got to myself. So I'm in there two times a day. Just grind it out. I was in there last night doing legs. And today, this afternoon, I'll go back. I'll do my chest, shoulders, and arms. It's, I'm excited about it. I love it. So I love crossing a boundary that people think is a, oh, here we go. Time to rein it in. And I'm, what are you talking about? There's no raining to be done. I'm in the zone. And here we go. Party time. Have you always been funny? Um, well, it, I guess it was great too. And this is a true story. I got struck in the forehead with a baseball bat. <laughs> now, I was told at the time that I could not speak or focus my eyeballs for over two hours. Now, that could have something to do with my funniness. I'm not totally sure about that, but it goes back, traces back to about that time. For those listening, <laughs> attempting to do Romanian deadlifts while this human <laughs> speaks like that is a challenge in and of itself. Have yeah. you all, you've always used humor your whole life. Like as a kid, did you I, use humor? I have used humor my entire life, yeah. And you are, one of your hidden talents is you're a cartoonist. Yes. You're yeah. an artist. Yeah. Like a crazy good artist. I'm a, I, I would consider myself a decent hack. Well, I've seen your shit and like I could, <laughs> I could come nowhere close. Yeah, I've taught like cartooning classes for kids and I've, I've done a single panel cartoon that uh, it made it onto somebody's website for a while, but I stopped doing that. Okay, so I, I have a question for you that you may need to get into character for. 
Yeah. <laughs> so if you were Arnold Schwarzenegger struggling to put your young child to bed and needing to sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, what might that sound like? Okay, everybody, it's time to go sleeping time. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> I don't know if that's hitting it or not. <laughs> no, that's good. Sort of a, that's yeah. good. I love, uh, I, uh, yeah, you, you, every now and then when we're in the gym, you'll bust out a crazy impression. And it's just, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's difficult to keep focus sometimes, but it's, it's, humor is, a, is an incredible medicine. I find it funny because you've come in on like a Thursday and I'll say to you, yeah, Andrew, I haven't been off the property in five days. Literally, you Literally, actually haven't been off your property. I haven't been off the property. I've walked from the house to the gym, house to the gym, back and forth, you know, countless times, and I haven't left the property. I actually said, hey, Barry, let's do this in the gym because it'd be so cool to, you know, get into the environment where we are all the time and, you know, whatever. It would yeah. be a neat environment. And you're like, could we please go somewhere else? <laughs> I, I never get off the farm. Yeah, I feel like when I come to town, I feel like, so Downs Road is 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 the Great Wall if you're using a Game of Thrones analogy. That's the big ice wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like Uncle Benjen, who's ranging in the north and I'm uh, fighting off you know, the White Walkers. In my situation, White Walkers are uh, Hallmark film crews and, uh, <laughs> and Jehovah's Witnesses. So I'm <laughs> using my flaming scepter and, and getting... I, I, got, actually, I had to banish two Jehovah's this morning, actually. They came to the door. My dog's going nuts. And, they came all the way out. Oh, yeah. To- they come to our house. They, they love it out there. So they'll, they'll come to the door. They were there you this know, morning. God bless them for how passionate they are and how far they're willing to walk like that's a long haul down that road well, they get they get points for the rejection so right and i gave and them a, you I, definitely give i gave them a firm rejection yeah it was like did yeah. you do it clothed or naked i was clothed oh yeah. you were clothed yeah. okay okay yeah not naked this time but <laughs> they were they were sent merrily on their way so yeah that's amazing hey we're gonna uh we've probably talked a long time i'm not even sure i'm not keeping track but it's been good but before we uh we wrap up i want to ask you who in your life in all of your journeys that you've come across is somebody that needs to be needs to have the shout out and be told they're incredible or they're amazing i thought of that i've been thinking of that for a couple days and uh to be totally honest with you i am rarely impressed with people at a at a high level and that's one of the reasons that i can have a guy worth half a billion dollars come through the door and you know, he'll, he's used to people being impressed by that. I'm not like, honestly, I'm like, it's fantastic. Good for you. Like you got this crazy life. You can jet all over the place and do things. You don't worship anybody. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Which is why, yeah, I don't want to take away your spot. I want to have you talk here, but that is, that is something that makes you incredible. Just that right there. Yeah. I, and I don't know why that is, why I haven't, uh, there's a, like the rock. If I could be buddies with the rock, I think I'd kind of tingle a bit like, oh man, this is awesome. I'm in iron paradise working out. Wow. That'd be cre- pretty cool. But uh, some of the higher guys like Bill Phillips met him and uh, Sean Phillips hung out with him and some of the guys down in the States. It, it, was, it was fine, but I know they're just people. Like that's the thing about it, right? They're, they're just people. They take a shit and wipe their ass once or twice a day. They put their pants on one leg at a time, that whole analogy. So yeah, I... I don't really have anyone that sticks out in my mind. Like I've been thinking about it and no one's popped out like, Oh, cause even the ones that I thought were like, Oh, if I could meet him and he's amazing. You meet them and go, Oh, right. You're a human just like me. And we're, we're the same. 
So, hey, let's let's go have a have a beer and be friends or not. But that's how it is. So do you think when you've had people pumped up in your mind and you've met them, do you think it's been mostly disappointing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do a number on ourselves. And again, it comes back to, to, to self-belief, even mental health, where we truly, or a lot of people truly believe that these Instagram people, the rock, these, that they're living at a different level. Like they are experiencing life in a, in a way they're not experiencing it. No, look at the picture. He's eating ham and pineapple pizza. It's available everywhere. He's sitting in a chair. You can sit in a chair. He's flying in a plane. Okay, it's a Learjet, but it's a plane. You've flown one of those before, too. There's nothing about his experience that is so overtly crazy that you should be losing your minds thinking, if only I was like that. Because that's one of the most dangerous things in life, that statement, if only, right? So you buy it, and you're in real estate. Someone buys the new crazy house on Eagle Mountain. Oh, this is going to be our happy place, our forever home. Four years later, three redecorations later, they're building something bigger and better on top of the hill. They're always chasing that thing. It's just, it's if only, if only, if only. You meet a guy whose goals this year are, I'm going to make $10 million. Or if I can have $10 million in the bank, things will be fantastic. They hit it. Huh. Doesn't change a thing about how they feel about themselves. Well, you know what? 50 million. If I can do 50, I think things are going to change. No, it won't. It won't change at all. In fact, the best thing to happen maybe is you have no money. Get back to the, your base of who you are as a human being and start just living. So Life thoughts with Barry Ratzlaff. <laughs> time, time with you is always well spent. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure, and I, I sincerely appreciate your time. Well, that means a lot because as a person who works with humans all the time, I don't feel that way about myself. As most people who are good at this sort of thing do they just this is what i do well then let me be one of those people that you know love and trust and hear my voice and saying <laughs> you are amazing you make an incredible difference in people's lives and i think it's incredibly evident to anybody that listens to this that you're you're one of the most authentic humans i've ever met and i'm so uh i'm so proud to have you in my life and i really appreciate you coming on the show and and spending and spending a bit of time together It's my honor and my privilege. I love it. Okay, thanks, buddy. Thank you. You can't spend time with Barry Ratzlaff and not feel better for having done so. There's a ton of amazing takeaways from our time together today, but what I want you to remember most is this. Turn off the crap in your brain. Any of the noise that you're comparing yourself against that's beating you down, whether it's social media or anything else. And in Barry's words, do the following. Find one, two, three people who know, love, and trust you and listen to what they have to say about you and hold on to that. Thank you again, Barry, for being amazing and for sharing with us your perspective. Much appreciated. Please remember to check out the show notes for more information on today's episode and to find out more about Barry Ratzlaff. Thanks again for listening to Everyday Amazing. You can find us at everydayamazingpodcast.com and on Twitter at edamazingpod.